Hi there, you're watching the Hotspur Hood. This is Let's Talk Tottenham, Monday night, 7.30. Ah, what a weekend, what a weekend we've had. Everyone losing, we'll, we'll skip Chelsea, ignore Chelsea. What a weekend, every one of our uh, rivals losing and us winning fairly handsomely. No real idea how, certainly after that first half, but we'll come to that. Uh, two great guests with me, uh, Rez. How you doing, Rez? Very well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Um, no problem, welcome always. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin, how you doing, Justin? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Just uh, it's still in shock, I think, of the weekend, really, more than anything else. Honestly, <laughs> you couldn't write it. You really couldn't. But no, no. thank you very much. All right, both welcome, both welcome. Uh, Rez, you'll know from uh, Shelfside Spurs. He'll let you know where uh, uh, you can find that later and uh, why why he's made some stupid bet about 300 <laughs> subscribers. I heard about it. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> uh, but all I'll say is this is from someone who uh, finds a Rogan Josh curry far too spicy. So that's a hint <laughs> about what's coming for Rez. But yeah, uh, he'll let you know about that at the end. Uh, Justin on all things Tottenham as well. We'll let you know where you can find that at the end as well. Uh, but as I say, this is a uh, uh, Hotspur Hood. So super chats, super stickers are available. So get those in, get the uh, uh, comments coming in. And yeah, please hit the like, please hit the subscribe. And if you like what you see... Uh, Go to Let's Talk Tottenham and do the same thing. Hit the subscribe. We're live there at uh, half 12 uh, p.m. on Fridays. Uh, that's UK time. Uh, a couple of people in the chats already. Uh, Jens, how you doing, Jens? Uh, facts and stats, how you doing? What a weekend. We'll come to that. That's literally the first thing we're going to be talking about. And Graham as well, evening panel. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Please get your comments in. Like I say, please get those super chats in, super stickies in as well. Really helps the channel. Uh, Rez said it at the start. Yeah. What a weekend! I mean, I, I, I'm not sure we really, other than Chelsea losing as well, and then third being in our sights. I, I don't really mm. think we could have uh, asked for a better weekend, and, and certainly as well, uh, Arsenal losing, Man United losing before we played. Uh, we'll come to is this a, a tougher Spurs a bit later on, but to follow that up with a. a, a <laughs> Convincing's possibly the wrong word. The second half was convincing. The first half was not. But on paper, a 4-0 loss uh, to, to those watching uh, who, who are against us, the Arsenals, the, the West Ham's, the Man United, put us under pressure. We'll just come out 4-0 winners. But, I mean, did you see that weekend coming? Or you were saying off air, you now believe? Uh, do you think that's translated to the players as well? Because they are putting teams to the sword at this moment in time with the amount of goals we're scoring. I've got a, a slide for that in a sec as well. But yeah, yeah. what a weekend. They, the, the, our, our lot have utterly, completely and utterly abandoned mercy for the opposition. I mean, ruthless, clinical, lethal. We had five shots on target and we scored four. <laughs> Right, we it was like it really was. It was sort of like, Oh, oh, hello, Aston Villa. Are you trying to score some goals? Let us show you how it's done. Um, it really was. Now, the first half, yeah, absolutely. The first, do you know what it was though? This is something that myself and Iggy, especially, I mean, it's, it's all over, it's everywhere. Most Spurs fans are talking about it, but we've been very vocal about this, right? Graham Scott is an absolute disgrace. Right, Graham Scott should not be refereeing. Graham Scott shouldn't be refereeing, right? Not there's no level at which he qualifies anymore, right? Because 
what he did was he didn't he basically gave Villa permission to batter our players. He actually gave permission for everyone to batter each other, which is terrible, right? A referee is supposed to protect players. And I think what that did in the first half is that we didn't expect that to happen. We didn't expect Gerard to employ that kind of tactic. That would be something that Conte didn't anticipate, right? And so I think what that did is that in the same way that we sometimes get a bit of pressure because we do do that. That's the way that he plays. It's like, come on to us and then we react. It's counter-attacking football. That's Conte's fundamental system. We know this. And so it was a case of, okay, come on to us and then we'll start playing. And then they came at us in this sort of really aggressive, ultra-physical way. And we were getting nothing, no kind of protection from the referee. And I saw a couple of our lads just sort of like looking at each other, sort of like, what the... F is going on here. Um, and so when Conte got them, managed to get them into the dressing room at half time, and he basically turned to them and said, right, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do. Sonny said it, you know, talk to us about the tactics and stuff like that. Came out in the second half, got that second goal. And then after that, it was easy straight. Um, obviously, Lloris was the hero of the first half. If it wasn't for him, we would have been at least... 2-1 down, at least, you know, that, especially that save from that free kick where he sort of mm, he parried yeah. it out, ended up in the netting, got back to his feet and then saved and caught the ball. I mean, don't tell me this guy is still not a top goalkeeper. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a tough challenge, but we come, came through it and it showed real resilience. It really did. And it is absolutely wonderful to see. Yeah, a few comments here. We've got Scott, Alan, Simply Ace all in the chat. How are you doing, guys? Ellie says, everywhere I look, everywhere I look, it's the Hotspur Hood. Yes, you know, you should tune in, tune in. They're the Hotspur Hood. Yes, you know, you should tune in, tune in. Yeah, you know, you should. I'm assuming that's some song lyrics. But... Ellie, you need to come on and actually sing that. It's not good <laughs> enough. To I appreciate the support, Ellie. Thanks so much. Uh, Donnie. <laughs> First half was great. The ref didn't help at all. Exactly what Rez has said. Second half, as the man himself, Red, said, ruthless. And as AC said, seeing blood and kept going. And Bob Spur, how you doing, Bob? Never in doubt. Uh, <laughs> even Liverpool and City have had dodgy first half performances. Sign of a good side is they regroup, make changes, and run out comfortable winners. We're a class act right now. I, I would say I need to see a bit more consistency for that last sentence to, for me to be believing. Uh, Ellie says, Scott M. Hire will give you respect. Aaron, my man, bigged you up, so I'm cool with you. I'm not sure what that's about, but that's a private chat between them two guys. Uh, Justin, uh, anything to add from Vez? I mean, I, I would say with a Doherty injury, the poor control probably uh, uh, enticed the Villa guy, I think it was Cash, to go storming in. Uh, it was a bad challenge. Uh, Andy Hinchcliffe, I don't really know what planet he's on, uh, said... Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what else he can do. Yeah, he's got the ball, but then he's got the man. I don't know what else he can do. And then later in the half, when Mings did the same thing, he said Mings could be in trouble because he got the ball and got the man as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, thoughts on the referee and the weekend in general? Uh, we'll come to the actual game in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about this with a friend of mine. And if you look at it from, you know, Saturday morning, last Saturday, not Saturday, just gone Saturday before, Tottenham are three points behind. Arsenal got a game in hand. You know, you're just looking at it and you're thinking, and you're looking at Arsenal's games prior to where we are now. You know, 
Palace away, bit tough, but should get something from that. And then obviously Brighton at home. Four points I would have thought they would have looked at at least and they'd have been happy with that. You know, we've looked at Newcastle who, you know, under Eddie Howe have been playing better, um, you know, and, and a potentially could have been a banana skin. You know, we've we've seen many a time Dr. Tottenham has turned up <laughs> at games like this and we've absolutely stunk the place out. And yeah. seeing the games as they have developed over that time, you know, and particularly going into the Villa game, I just just couldn't get my head around it. I mean, I, I sort of was seeing the score coming in from, um, you know, the the Emirates. And I just was like, have I, have I, have I, have I, have I, have I walked into another dimension or something? And, you know, this is, you know, because, I mean, I, I, let's put it this way. I've, I've been to some Brighton games and they've been, they've been rubbish. They have been rubbish. They're, you know, they couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. That is how bad they were. I mean, I watched them against Norwich. That, you know, they could have tortured people with that game, you know, because there was never going to score. But the, the game could have just gone on. It was that just soul-destroying to watch. So when I knew that Brighton had to go to Arsenal, I thought, well, they're going to get battered. Absolutely battered. And then I saw the result and I just was like, so uh, Arsenal worse than Norwich or have I <laughs> missed something here? And then United just, you know, I mean, you, you, when you put it into that perspective. Uh, uh, you I'm know, a bit annoyed about the United-Everton game that we bloody lost to them. Well, they're losing to Everton and not turning up. We should be beating them. Well, this is this is the thing, isn't it? This is the crazy thing. If you look at it, I think I was talking to a Brighton fan and Brighton haven't scored at home since... I can't remember. It's been like over a month mm. or a couple of months since Brighton yeah. scored at home, yeah. right? And Everton are fourth bottom, and both of them turned over bigger teams. And you sort of look at that, and you then just thought, "What is going to happen with us at Villa?" And yes, okay, they were aggressive, but to be fair, okay. You can question the referee, referee's um, methods, but he kind of did let both teams, you know, have their go with that. OK, you know, Aston Villa were more of the aggressor. But what I did notice was that we we, we were, I, I, I would say we were pretty poor in that first half. You know, we were very boxed in, weren't able to play our game. You know, Aston Villa, to their credit, were... You know, on the front foot, chasing us down, not giving us the space. The bit that I liked more than anything else was then how it how the tactics changed in the second half. That's not something we've seen in a very, very long time. And it then just put us into this position of the only team that can stop Tottenham getting fourth <laughs> is Tottenham. Yeah, that that is it. If you if you look at it from this point, and we've seen, and this is why I am I'm still wary, you know, because Tottenham have it in their DNA, and Conte is eroding it slowly. But even under Conte, we saw that win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. You know, we've had games where we've just been rubbish against Wolves and Southampton. So, you know, I don't. You know, to me, it's a nice position to be in because we can control it. And technically, if, you know, we beat Brighton on Saturday, we can go six points ahead. 
putting even more pressure on Arsenal. But this is Spurs. And that is, even in this, even at this time, even with this players, even with Conte, there's always a part of me that just thinks, <laughs> are they going to cop this up? But you know what, as it goes, you know it's what, cracking again. You know what, just a couple that. of comments. I'll... Sorry, it's just a couple of yeah, comments Bob. here because Bob Spurs one links on to what Justin said quite well. But firstly, simply it may be wrong, but we seem to be similar to Liverpool in 2017. We score a lot of goals, we get caught out defensively. And yeah, uh, and Bob Spurs says it's about time we moved away from the whole Spurs in Dr. Tottenham mm. mindset. We need to immerse ourselves yeah. into Conti's winning mindset. Positive thinking and positive energy will take us places. Yeah. And from your reaction, Reds, I assume that's that, something like that's similar exactly to what you were going to say. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, basically, Bob's, Bob's been saying this for weeks, right? And uh, I, 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 I had my epiphany almost. I mean, I, I said it before. I, I used to say it years ago. You know, I used to thought I, I, I always felt that we were very pessimistic as a fan base, anyway. Um, and we've got good reason to be. It's not but, to say that it's but, unjustified. But what you do know. you think about Scott's comment here on that as well? Mm -hmm. uh, Conte needs still needs to upgrade the players before we change the mindset. Which, no, no, yeah. because because no squad will ever be complete. So where, where's the line drawn? At what point do we turn around and say, oh, OK, now he's changed it enough. We can now change our mindset. Why should it be a case of we should change our mindset only after the squad has been changed? And 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 at what point does the squad change to the point where every single Spurs fan is satisfied enough to change their mindset? No, we have a part to play as well. Right. We have to change. I really genuinely believe this. Right. We've got to go to this point where, do you know, what? listen, it's not a case of saying if we believe things will happen. We should believe anyway. We really should. That's the whole point of following football. You know, you do it for hope. Right? What I will say to that, though, is absolutely agree. The mentality and people have to get on board with that. But you look at City and you look at Liverpool and they don't have a Harry Winks in their team. They don't have a Davison Sanchez in their team. You talked about your your views of Emerson before we came on the show. Yeah. There's there's a balance here, and I think this is where you know we can you can look back through the years when we've talked about painful rebuilds and things like that. This is where the the club and Conte and Paratici all need to get together and say to look at this squad and look at the players because I do think there is a, a nucleus there of players that we can take forward. But if yeah, we're but looking think, to change the mindset, I don't think that I, this is the thing. Look, th this is where it comes down to it. This is what this is the whole issue of it. Look, we follow football because we like watching football, we don't follow Spurs because we like watching football. That's not actually the reason for our support. We follow Spurs for a myriad of different reasons. Each of us will have different reasons for following Spurs. You know, it could be a family connection. I mean, I'll tell the story. My The reason I support Spurs is because my brother started supporting Spurs because when my family came over here in 1977, um, at that time in Iran, where they came from, everyone supported Liverpool. Everyone, right? And my brother wanted to support a team, but he didn't know who to choose because he was from Iran. He was only a seven-year-old boy who'd lived in a completely different country. And all he did is that he picked on the basis of the name of the club sounding nice to his ears. So, do you know, ironically, for a very brief period, he was actually an Aston Villa supporter, funnily enough, after <laughs> this weekend. But 
when he heard the name Tottenham Hotspur, that appealed to him and he started being a Spurs supporter. We ended up living in Edmonton, which then fit anyway. But at the time, we lived in Hounslow, right? West, West London. He picked it purely on the fact that he liked the name. So we all follow the club for very non-rational reasons. They're irrational reasons why we why we choose the club that we choose. And so alongside that pragmatic, yeah, okay, things you know do need change. And I agree. And you've heard me, Justin, and certainly you have, Chris, how vociferously I criticise the management of the club. Um, and I believe that that needs change. But the irrational side of things means that I can hope, mm. even though there may not necessarily be enough cause for hope, because ultimately that's why we, that's the, the, the narrative behind supporting the clubs that we support. It's not just Spurs, any football fan, you know? So, yeah, there's a balance. But for me, the balance is believe and hope, but understand that that hope and that belief may not materialise. Not a case of don't believe because the hope might not materialise. Believe, but be ready for disappointment. Otherwise, it becomes a little bit stale. It becomes a little bit heartless. And, and a bit pragmatic in my view. It's just the way that I feel about it. And that's why I think I'm not criticising yeah. anyone else's view of it. Just this is how I see it. Yeah, a couple of comments here. Simply Ace over regarding the game. Uh, against Villa, we started off well for 10 minutes. Scored the first goal. Villa were very good for the remainder of the first half. We could have conceded a few. We'll get to that next. Second half was perfect. I think the early goal was absolutely superb in there. And a couple of comments here, which I seem to be getting quite a few of uh, similar like this. Uh, yeah. There's a serious lack of hair on this show. <laughs> Someone needs a bun. And then there's also... There's plenty of hair. There's yeah. plenty of hair. It's just on our face, on yeah. our chin. Never knew Stone Cold it. Steve Austin, Walter White and Phil Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you... I was going to say, well, maybe we should get the... Maybe the group chat ask people who is who. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to the guys in the chat. Uh, yeah, Ellie said, uh, we've got a new mindset now and we have Conte with the great signings that have all that killer instinct and have brought a new vigour to the team. Remember at the back is why I have faith we can get top four. We'll get to him a little yeah, bit later so, yeah. on as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Aaron needs a Conte wig, says Danny. <laughs> and yeah, uh, His Avatar is a hairless man as well. Yeah, that and uh, Daryl Denton, how you doing, Dal? All well, fast track into C League, but we just need Levy to back Conte, get his finger out. Yeah, his ass will be painful viewing from behind the sofa. Yep. Uh, a couple Agreed. more comments from Ellie. There's Aston Villa can be translated in Greek, more or less. Thank <laughs> you for Willie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Bob's there. Hugo made one say, great save versus Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey. Uh, the rest are expect the top four goalkeeper to save. Poor finishing isn't us being lucky. Uh, but yeah, we'll come to. I mean, I wrote this, uh, uh, Justin, before we came on air, but we've already established the how. A clean sheet, how? Hugo Lloris and and Bob's Bob Bob made the point there that Rams's save was the one that was uh, the really good save. I'd also say that Bez uh, said uh, um, off air as well the the free kick from Coutinho, which not only getting there but he used the net to make sure he didn't fall over, so he was up and ready when it came back again. Uh, the others. Right, Bob says Bob says the the begin long range shot you'd expect him to save that. 
Uh, you'd also expect him to do what he did, which was push it wide rather than in the middle. And the others were kind of straight at him or kind of routine. But we've seen him make mistakes before. So Villa are probably in the mindset of this is a goalkeeper who has made mistakes, well, just get shots other on target and see. Goalkeepers make those make mistakes as well. That's the thing. You yeah, can never so... you can never say for certain that every low quality shot will be saved. Exactly. That's where the luck comes in. And, Sorry, and, and yeah, I mean. Justin, we're obviously going to get to that front three because they're the ones who scored the goals to win us the game. But you need, if you're going to achieve anything in football, the team to do the job for you. And, and, and you know, when someone's not playing well, which you could argue the defence wasn't because they allowed the shots to come in, your goalkeeper saves you and sort of does his job. Uh, are, are we turning into a team now rather than just a few good players and a load of mediocre ones? Are we turning into a team in a in a kind of Conte image now for you? If you look at the business that was done in January, and I mean, I think Conte wasn't... He was happy, but wasn't happy, because I think, like any manager, if you lose four, you want four in. You don't want to lose four and get two in. I think the difference, though, we're starting to see, and I think the summer is going to really sort of define... I think Paratici and Conte's relationship, but I think it's also going to define where Daniel Levy, where it really wants to go with, because let, let's face facts, if you take it back, when he when Daniel Levy put Antonio Conte in charge, to me, that was last chance alone. His back was against the wall. He had to go out and get a guy in that he knew that the fans would get behind. And that really was the, 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 the last resort as in what was left so you then fast forward onto january and you look at the signings that were made and yes there are a lot of people that came out and they said this is us going back to you know paratici going back with his begging bowl to to juventus but let's let's look at it in a in a different light in terms of is that such a bad thing is it such a bad thing when you look at the quality of players that he has brought and the age range that they are, so you look at their longevity against what we had. And this is what we're hopefully starting to see. You know, Romero, miles ahead of Roden and uh, Sanchez. Kulisevsky, you know, I think I saw a tweet that was put out when it said about Lucas Mora. It was almost like Conte brought Lucas Mora on to show how much we need Kulisevsky because... When he comes on, that right side goes. And I've heard a lot of people panic that Matt Doherty is out, right? And there's a worry that Matt Doherty's out because we're left with Emerson Royale. I thought but, he played quite well yesterday. Well, this is this is the thing that I've seen since Kulisevsky has come in. He's made Doherty look better because what he has done is if you looked at it before, when it was just Lucas Moore on that right, the problem that we had was Moore never was on the right. No, he drifted. So, of course, it left either Royal or Doherty completely exposed, in effect, to two players who would mm. just bomb down that end and they had no chance. And this is what we've almost started seeing. And almost when you look at what Emerson would, was doing in that game, it was a case of... This is your job. When you think you're getting beyond that, pass it to Kulisevsky. And then you go back to your nice little 
comfort area and let Kulisevsky does what he does. And the other thing as well that I've noticed with Kulisevsky is he tracks back. So he's getting mm. back, whereas Mora wouldn't get back. Um, I mean, so on Doherty there, Aaron said this. Unfair, Doherty looks better because he has improved. I, I, I agree with you. I think he has improved. And I think part of the reason he's improved is because of confidence. And that confidence in part has come from Kulisevsky coming back. So he's got the confidence that I can go forward, knowing that I'm not going to be responsible for conceding a goal because I'm left oh, out of position. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but... But the thing that the thing well, is, also, what, sorry, what can I, can I add to what you just said though, Chris? Before you before you carry on, Justin, the, I'll also say the one, th the other thing. There is one other key factor that um, I think has contributed to Doherty's uh, improvement is that he's now being played in mm. the position that he's most comfortable, which is right wing back. Up until Conte arrived, he wasn't. He was always being played as a right back. I mean, uh, at Spurs, Mourinho did it. Uh, Mason did it, Nuno of all people did it, who made Doherty the player that we signed or we thought we were signing at Wolves as a right wing back. And he uses him a right back. Now he's, you know, he's in that position again. I also think that, that has also contributed to his improvement. Yeah. But do, do you think on that, it's slightly unfair for the criticism Emerson gets because he's essentially uh, at Barcelona was a right back. And now we're playing him as a right wing back. So it, 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 in it, a, a kind of role reversal of the Doherty situation. What I keep saying about Emerson is, and I've said it loads and loads of times, and I mean it, he may one day be the best right back in the world, but he's not that at the moment. And that's purely because he's not developed to that point. And a lot of people turn around and say, well, Kulisevsky is the same age. doesn't matter. Players develop at different rates. Now... Emerson, yeah, he's a right back and he shouldn't really be expected to play a right wing back role. But even as a right wing, even as a right back, there are glaring problems. His biggest problem is his positioning. The number of times that I've seen him essentially in front of Romero, leaving his flank completely open. I can't even I can't even count on I can't even um, remember how many times I've seen him actually hugging the touchline, waiting, you know, while Kulisevsky is playing further up. Then the ball comes in, he drifts in, the ball goes back out to the wing, and he stays there. His positioning is awful, and that's not a good thing for any player, let alone a defensive one. Um, so there are problems there. There are things that he needs to develop. If you offered me, say, for instance, an experienced right back, but someone who's never played right wing back over Emerson, I take him right now because at least that right back would have the experience of his positioning. And that's the problem for Emerson. He might one day become a great right back. He might one day be able to become a great right wing back, but he's not that right now. Is yeah, the well, issue. What do you make of Emerson, uh, Justin? So... I think we're going to um, not get too worried. I mean, I was li looking at what Bob Spurs said about mm. underestimating Doherty's loss. Mm. We've got to remember earlier on this year, in this season, there, there were games where Doherty was stinking the place out, yeah. right? Absolutely. And what we've got to look at also is in the last two games, Emerson has played and hasn't mm. done too badly. Yeah. And this is... You know, this is not this is not the end of the world losing Doherty because ultimately we have got a back three that as a unit are incredibly solid now. They kind of all understand each other. 
And when you look at, you know, what Kulisevsky brings on that side and what Son brings on the other side, is it's almost that, you know, sort of a ability to track back. So you know that even if Emerson does get caught out, Kulisevsky's going to be there. If, for example, <laughs> you know, uh, Sessignon or Regulon is going to get caught out. And let's not forget, we were going to have to play the Sessignon or Regulon anyway. So on the other side. So the, the, the fact of it being is, is that I don't see that being a massive issue because it's not as if those two, or the, the left wing, the left back, the left wing back and the right wing back are sort of the only lines of defence down those channels. Yeah, Son will come back. Kulisevsky will come back, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And with what Dyer, Romero and Ben Davies are doing, it's more of a controlled defence. It more sort of seems to understand there's a, there's, a, there's a togetherness. And that's the one thing that I do like. Yes, the, the, the front three get all the, the plaudits and everything like that. But that back three has been far more solid than I have seen probably going back to Patongan and Alderweireld at their best. Yeah. You know, that that sort of that understanding, you know, to get across or to stay where they need to. If one goes forward, the others drop back. There's, a, there's an understanding there. And I think when you look at the situation with Doherty, don't forget he got injured in the first half. Emerson was on the pitch. We still mm. won. You know, he didn't look... Completely rubbish. So mm. I think, I think there's enough. I wouldn't sit there. And one thing I do agree with Rez about is that I do think Tottenham, you know, need to go and focus on that area in the summer because mm. I would be very worried about a long term side of it. But I think there's enough quality around Emerson to cover for it. You know, and, and, and you know, it's it's like if you took another piece out, you'd be more worried. If Kane if Kane got injured, you'd be a lot more worried. If Romero got injured, you'd be a lot more worried. If Loris got injured, you'd be more worried. Whereas with Emerson, I think what we're starting to see as well is credit where credit's due. The last two games, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. And okay, people have cut, said to me, but he hasn't had to do a lot. Fine. Because that's fine, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. Then. Because if yeah. that means, yeah. if that means him not having to do a lot has meant mm. that the team is still able to function with Emerson in there, yes. that then means that plaster that we're having to put over Doherty for the next seven games isn't a problem because he will do the job. And the running itself, we're not apart from Liverpool. There, I can't see many teams hurting us. Brentford in that in that in those mm. areas I can't even see Brentford doing it the only the only sort of potential concern when it comes to Brentford is Christian Eriksen that that is the only because he pulls a lot of the strings there so it'll be interesting to see Benton Cove or Hoiberg will be tasked with just following him about yeah. and and, and not kicking him up in the air, but letting him know he's in for a game in no space. But just a couple of comments on Emerson as well. Uh, Paddy, uh, they've been on the screen, uh, but for the uh, people listening on audio, uh, Paddy Hartner, you'll see for the rest of the season, teams will target the right side of the back line. That could affect us. I'm not so sure on that because of Kulisevsky coming back. It's not like Orvier against uh, uh, Arsenal up against Tierney and Odegaard because Bale didn't track back. It's two versus two. So yeah. I, I'm not sure it's going to be targeted any more than any other place. 
I think it's still, I think it can still affect us though. I mean, it, it, in a way though, this is the thing. It's not quite as simple as Paddy's put it because it's like if a club, if, if the opposition do do do, and I, I do expect them to do this. If they say right, we're just going to go down the right, then that can open up space for the left, and we've got a couple of players at the back who can spray passes. Uh, quite effectively, long range, which is what we started doing in the second half, over the top to cut out the opposition midfield and get the ball to our flanks. So, yes, they will target that right-hand side. Yes, it will affect us, but it won't be quite as pronounced as we might fear it will be, I think. Because yeah. no club going to be mad enough to say, right, we're just going to go down the right the right channel, you know? I, I yeah. see, I, 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 I would... Sorry, Listen, Jimmy here, sorry. Absolutely spot on in my opinion anyway, Jimmy Costco. If we had to choose one position to get an injury, I'd say it's right wing back. Let's stop overreacting and make top four with Emerson. Mm. If if any of that front three got injured, any of that two midfield got injured, any of that back three or the goalkeeper got injured, mm. we could be in trouble there. And uh, I think with Emerson, he showed against City. If you give him simple stuff to do, yeah, it's not a simple defending against City, but but the the the, the instructions were defend, don't go forward, just concentrate defend. He was brilliant in that game. He obviously mm. had Kulisevsky helping him, and that obviously gives him confidence. He's got some backup. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I it's, think it, with, it's a yeah. Southampton game where it's a go forward, then defend, go forward, then defend, yeah. put a cross in, mm. have a shot. It's yeah. too much it's, to do. It's, it's and, almost and, and, as if you just have yeah. to put it in sort of childlike form. Absolutely. <laughs> not, not treat him like a child, but it's almost like go out, defend, don't fuck up. A Harry Redknapp situation with Pavlichenko. Fucking run around a bit. And then yeah. <laughs> listen to Peter Crouch's Maybe. podcast. He said that uh, <laughs> the, the instructions for Wilson Palacios, apparently, according to Peter Crouch from Harry Redknapp, were get the ball, give it to Modric. Sometimes simple instructions yeah. are the best. Certainly yeah. for a young player here who's either 21 or 22, there's kind of a, 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 a debate in the chat going on about that. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything hugely to worry about. And and <laughs> wind the clock back two months. If people, if you were saying on a chat, if Doherty gets injured, we are in trouble. <laughs> people would be going, what on earth are you talking yeah. about? But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we don't know the extent of but it yet. Time, and, but bear in mind, at that time, we weren't where we are now. So with mm. with sort yeah, of higher performance true. comes higher expectation as well, and 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 things change over over time. You know, although what 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 didn't change was that I turned around and said his age is immaterial, but people are saying, well, what about Kane at twenty one? It's like players develop at different rates. Yeah, Again, that's in the chat as well. Claude, Claude Murphy saying, "Was Kane any good at 23? Diff, different, different uh, rates, like you say there. Vez. Different uh, players develop differently. Kulisevsky at 21 is probably more developed. I mean, obviously, different things than a number of other players that say 23, 24, 25. It's different things. It, yeah. It's purely for me. The only, the only thing for me with Emerson is, I, I, the reason I don't think he should stay is because I don't believe that Spurs should be a club at which players develop the fundamentals of their game. That's the key for me, yeah. right? To be honest, I agree. I think come the summer, 
a replacement has to be got. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for the moment, it covers the next seven games. Yeah. But after that, yes. yeah, it, he'll either he'll go out on loan. Yeah, because I don't believe, I, I don't think it's right. I mean, a lot of people have turned around and said, he's only 21. He's new to the league. We've got to give him time. No, we don't. We're not a club that is there for that. We're we're a we're a big side. We're supposed to have developed players, or if you're going to develop players, players that are already sort of quite solid and can and are looking to hit their peak. Emerson is not looking to hit his peak right now. He's looking to become established as a right back, and that's the key difference for me. Is that yeah? If he stays, if he stays at the actual club, as you say, Justin, loan him out, and otherwise. If you're not going to loan him out, sell him, right? I mean, Paddy, Paddy hits, a nail. Yeah. Paddy know, hits a nail on the head for me. Yeah. Sorry, Rez. I'll come back to you in a second. No, 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 Boyle's not means, a bad defender. He's just not a good yeah. right wing back. Needs to learn how to play in that position. And what better yeah. coach can you have who's got pedigree with uh, uh, his <laughs> name, Victor Moses? But yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, Rez. but not for that. I mean, yeah, Conte, Conte, probably. You know, I, I would. If you said to me, which coach would you choose? to sort of develop a player and get him to learn his game, I'd say, yeah, you know, Conte would be on that list. But only if it was a case of Conte doing it as a hobby, right? <laughs> Elsewhere, you know, develop a football player in 100, you know, cheap issues. No, Emerson is not here to develop. Either he is good enough to be a solid selection at right wing back or right back, or he is elsewhere to do that. And Conte should concentrate on getting our, you know, established players to like the likes of Dyer, like Davis, like Reggie, you know, getting them better. And if they can get better, getting better. And if they can't, they leave. Emerson has got far too much development to do to be of that caliber at the moment. Mm. And so he shouldn't be here to do that, in my view. That's why I, I, I worry about it. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick apology. Uh, so many comments coming in. Thank you so much for the comments. Apologies, I can't read them all out. But if you get your super chats in, uh, they will get read out. Uh, just a <laughs> cheap little plug there. Cheap little plug. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's move on from the defence. I mean, these three ain't bad, are they? The, that front three. I mean, absolutely tore Villa to shreds. And uh, I have some image, an image here. I mean, this was at 2-0. This was at 2-0. Uh, goal yeah. involvement since February the 19th. Uh, I mean, that's only two months ago. Kane's got 11, Son's got nine, Kulisevsky's got eight, and you can see there yeah. Matt Doherty's got five as well. But if we talk about yeah. the front uh, three, that was at 2 0, and then there's another two there uh, for uh, Kane setting up uh, Son. Um, so Son and Kane get one more, and Kulisevsky setting up Kane, so Kane, uh, Son's on two more. Unbelievable turnaround, right, Justin? Being that Harry Kane was past it in September. Harry Kane was the one-season wonder six years later. Uh, and Son has just lost it. He's not as quick as he used to be. Kulisevsky, when he came in, it's too slow. Never make it at Tottenham. Those three are now taking potentially uh, Salah, Mane, Firmino's uh, Monica. Monica away from them of, of the ultimate front three. Unbelievable, the turnaround. And and what do you put that down to? The three individuals, Conte, combination, the players around them. What do you put that? Because as well, we, we, we were scoring hardly any goals. And now we, we're about seven ahead of Liverpool. 
on goals in the Premier League since uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, looking at and there's a comment in the in the group uh, group chat there. I think it's from Carlos talking about match a day, talking about who's better. You know, um, Louise, um, or Luis Diaz or, or Kulisevsky. And I almost, in a way, think that the way that that deal broke down worked best for both worlds. As in, it worked well enough for Liverpool to get the type of play that they wanted. But it, because to me, had Tottenham signed Luis Diaz, I don't think it would have fixed Tottenham's problem up He's top. Yeah. yeah. Because when you look at it, Tottenham's, all it would have meant is you would have had Luis Diaz and Hyunmin Son, who both play on the left, Harry Kane in plays in the middle, and we'd have still be left with Lucas Moore playing on the right. Yeah. And also, you wouldn't have had that discipline which Kulisewski has at getting back and helping that full-back out or wing-back out. Yeah. That's and, been and one of the keys. And, and Yeah. And this yeah. is, and as I said, I think it shows how, how much he, I think, has helped you know, Doherty, and I think for the next seven games, we'll, we'll nurse Emerson through them. Mm. But when you look at what Tottenham were before, it was a case of you stop Son, you stop Kane, or vice versa. Didn't really matter because there wasn't really anything else. Yeah. The second you put Kulisevsky in that equation, Tottenham go like that, can go like that. There is different, there's movement, there's creativity. There is options. You know, I, I remember uh, the game against Watford when we were having to put um, Emerson on the right against, uh, yeah, Watford. And they were just sitting there going, have the ball, mate. You ain't getting it in yeah. there because you can't cross. Whereas now with Kulisewski, there's panic. You saw it against Man City. You know, there was that concern about, oh, my God, this guy can actually cross a ball. What is going on here? How do we actually deal with this? And this is what these three are bringing. It is that level of uncertainty to defence that you cannot, you can't deal with that. You you no. cannot deal with it. You can't deal with a guy, you you know, you can't say, oh, well, we just shut one player off. Because that's fine, because he'll just pass it to the other player. Right. Or we shut those two off. If you shut two of them off, you've got to have so many people like that in that Kulisevsky yeah. is completely free. Yeah. And this is the difference. And this is why, to me, looking at it now, I think it was better business for us to get Kulisevsky than it was against Luis Diaz. Because Luis Diaz is, a, is would have been great, <laughs> given good competition. But Kulisevsky is a player to come in now and solves a problem now. Luis Diaz was we, we we should never have even been in the market. Well, I, I don't understand Ooh. why we even went for him. It was a pointless yeah. exercise. He was always going to go to Liverpool, and all we did was very kindly. And a, and a mate of mine who's Liverpool fan turned around to me and said, "Thank you very much Thanks. for going in for him. You brought the price down and meant we could get him now." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But exactly. on the yeah. plus side, it meant that we are going to get Kulisewski, who, if we wanted to buy a player the way he's playing. In the summer, we would have to pay double at least. Yeah. It also shows you don't necessarily need to spend fortunes to get a player no. that suits your system. But uh, just very quickly, Gogomar, uh, thanks so much for the super chat. Great panel. Uh, always a big support of all Spurs channels. Thank you so much. This uh, is yeah. where this is where this is where the criticism of Paratici has some merit. A lot of people. This is the thing. You can't judge a decision based on the outcome. 
right? Because at the time that the decision is made, the outcome is not known, okay? So you can't judge it that way. We can't turn around and say, because we got Kulusevsky and Bentonker, we had a, you know, Paratici's done well. You can't turn around and say he's done badly either, right? The things that you can level at Paratici, and it's also, there are factors that also mitigate it, is the fact that we did it so late. Imagine if we had Kulusevsky three weeks or even four weeks potentially earlier, how many points we might have salvaged, right? That is what you can judge Paratici on. Now, I'm neither anti-Paratici nor pro-Paratici. There are some that because of what happened at Juventus or what they see happening at Juventus, saw happen at Juventus, think that that's it. Case closed. He's bollocks. Get rid, right? I don't think that. You've got to judge him on what he's been able to do, okay? One, one thing in his favour is that he identified an amazing defender, an absolutely amazing defender in Romero and got him in and got him in and then tied up the loan deal for him, right? So we, you know, tied up the, the deal to sign him permanently. Mm. Done. That's a point in his favour. The signing of Benton Kerr and Kulisewski, I don't give him a huge amount of credit for. I give him some credit for, but not a huge amount because it's like, well, why, if, if they were going to be the, the game changers and you knew that, why didn't you do it at the beginning of January? I mean, why don't you just go in and get them? Is there an element right? there that Juventus wouldn't have sold them without players coming in? Obviously, Vlahovic, they Maybe. came in and then... And then I think it was Josh who, who uh, said... Mm. I, I think it might have been on Tommy's channel, on this channel, but uh, um, the deal was done and dusted. It just needed Juventus to sign the replacements before they could actually go and it be, be made official. Uh, do you think there's an element of that? No, because otherwise, why would we sign him on loan? I think I think the thing to me, and I'm kind of backing up Rez with what he's saying there. There's a lot of people that I have seen, you know, waxing lyrical about some of the stuff that Paratici's done, and I think you have to look at you have to be very balanced because this was a guy who sold Nuno to Daniel Levy, right? Let's exactly. not forget this was that was his choice <laughs> before he walked through the door. Paolo Fonseca was going to be the manager, still underwhelming, but that was going to be the manager. And he said, no, I want originally Catuso until there was the uproar. And then I wanted Nuno. So, you know, and then you look at some of the signings that have come in. Obviously, you know, he's had some success with Romero. But obviously then we've seen Emerson come in. So And Galini. And Galini, <laughs> um, which, you know, obviously, you know, is questionable from there. And people were lauding him for the business he did in terms of getting Bentenker and Kulisevsky. But... You know, the, the whole the deal was done at Kulisewski before. You, you can't buy that because if that's the case, why are you going to get Luis Diaz? You, you're not get, yeah. They were never going to sign Kulisewski if they bought Luis Diaz. OK, it would have been Luis Diaz. And that was it. That's kind of if you listen to Alistair Gold, that was their thinking was get Luis Diaz in. He's then one for the, um, you know, the, 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 the future. So when you actually look at what he has done. Yes. OK. He was able to get Conte over the line. But again, question is, could, why couldn't he have done that in the summer? So there are certain things. And I do think this summer is the most crucial mm, for all involved. Because definitely. if we're talking about, and we've spoken about it at the beginning, and 
other people have mentioned it, that this change in mentality, then the signings have to change. Yes. You know, and I was having this conversation and I was having this debate with um, Marlon from A View, of, a View from Spurs because he was talking about, because we were talking about who do you sign in terms of, they were talking about uh, Dabala, Ericsson or Coutinho. Hmm. And he was saying, you know, they should be looking at somebody else. And I said, well, that pretty much, no. If Tottenham want to be at the level and want to sit properly at the top table, Dabala is the type of player you get. Yeah. Maybe you don't get him, but you get somebody else. That you we yeah. can't, and it kind of goes back to what Rez was saying about Emerson. We cannot be going out and buying players who are going to come in because potentially they will be good enough. Yes. Now we have yeah. to go. If we went, you know, if you're going to go and buy Romero, this you know the Serie A defender of the year, you can't then go and buy Brian Hill, right? Correct. If you if you're going to go and buy Kulisevsky, you can't then go buy Emerson. You can't Correct. buy people. For that, if we're going to go and get these players, there is plenty out there who can come in and build our squad. And yeah. one of the things I did here, you know, and, and Marlon came back with was, but, you know, are these players going to be happy to sit on the bench? Well, the response straight back to that is, well, Man City had Jack Grealish sat on the bench against Liverpool. Yeah. That's 100 million quid. Yeah. And the reason that some of these players are happy to sit on the bench is because they know that they yeah. are at a... a at a top club and Correct. they can go on and win things as part yeah. of it so and on top of that it helps, the club. it helps the club to get good players sat on the bench because those players are going to be sat there saying why am i on the bench and actually mm. competing to get off the bench mm. and pushing their colleagues pushing their teammates to do better it raises yeah. the level of the club i mean absolutely we should, we should look after the egos of these players who are sat on the bench at the detriment of our club if they're not happy on the bench fuck off out of the club because mm -hmm. right? you, you look at it you look at benton cohen hoivierg they're playing brilliantly now i don't think it's because they're looking at harry winks and going oh my god he could get us out of the team one of the things i would say um is if you look at the fact that Oliver Skip will come back soon, mm -hmm. that is competition. That is yeah. where Tottenham need to be getting to. The top, Precise. the front three, they need to think they're that good because there is a likes of a Dabala who could come in. Absolutely. You know, at the, out the back, things like this is where, if we're talking about the mentality on the pitch changing, the mentality off the pitch has to change. And we have to get go for players that we think, actually, you're world-class and you will fit our squad. Because Correct. that's always been the problem with Tottenham. We've had a great 11, but we're, yeah. as we say, we're worried about an injury to Doherty, which yeah. if, if somebody had said that to me <laughs> three months ago, yeah. I'd have probably slapped them and said, you need to go <laughs> see a doctor. All right? Because that is where, this is where we, we, this is part of the problem when it comes to Tottenham's mentality. We're panicking over somebody who, let's face facts, for most of his first career has been crap. Yeah. Okay. So and that is part of the thing that massively needs to change, and in the summer needs yeah. to show more than anything we need else. Five. Yeah. We need five mm. players for those three positions. So we've got Kulu, yeah. Sun, and Kane, and we need two more top. top I mean, not not yeah. like elite bracket, but of the highest caliber that is appropriate to Spurs. You know, I don't know who necessarily is that, but we need two more so that you can a rotate when the, so that you're not over, you're not burning out the likes of Sun and Kane, who have been woefully overused over the last couple of seasons. 
but can also present competition. It's like, oh, one of them has dropped off in form a bit. Not a problem. We'll bring this guy on for the next game, see how he does. You know, and they, they're constantly, you know, it's friendly, obviously, you know, the teammates and stuff, but it's like, I'm taking your place. That's I'm what Ginella said after the Newcastle game, I think. Yeah. You, you'll see your buddy training hard, work, uh, uh, playing, you want to play, you'll train harder. Yeah. And then you're getting a team, he'll train harder. And without Conte doing anything, it causes everyone to work harder. But uh, Exactly. Yeah, a couple of comments. Gugamar again, super sticker. Thank you so much for that. Uh, really great support. Thank you so much. And She's uh, an empress, apparently. Oh. That's how Will has described her. But yeah, and uh, yeah, plenty of people in the chat. Uh, 51 people watching, 26 <laughs> likes. Doesn't seem to tally up to me. So if you like, if you're watching and you like what you see, hit that like, hit that like. And if you haven't already subscribed, Really, really mm. helps the channel. Really helps the channel. Or gently caress. As you know, I'm on this campaign. Uh, the, you don't have to <laughs> hit the button. You don't. It's not necessary. They're just buttons. They're not going to hurt you. You can just very gently click. Yeah. And it's, it's all free. It's all free. And I, I've missed a comment as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on the... Uh, there's links with uh, Madison coming to Spurs. I, I can't remember where it was now. It's so far back. So yeah, I can't find it. But, but he, he's not a Spurs fan. He's a bit of a thinks he's a dog's bollocks and he is a good player. He is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Is he this elite player like a Dybala? Probably not. But what he does have over Dybala is he has premiership experience. But where do you two guys uh, sit on if we're in for Madison? My personal thing is if Conte's in for Madison, go get Madison. I'm yeah. not bothered how much money we spend in the summer. If it's 20 million, if it's 200 million, if it's fuck all and we get everyone free. If it's what Conte wants, it's Correct. what we get. I couldn't care, care less how much we spend. Uh, but in terms of Madison, Rez? Uh, one, one thing... I, oh, sorry, go on, Rez. Sorry. No, 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 Justin, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, the, the only reason I was going to say, because I've thought quite a lot about the pros and cons of getting James Madison. You know, this is a guy who has got exceptional talent, you know, um, has done fantastic things at Leicester. And I think the reason for the rumours is because, obviously, Conte has talked about wanting a number 10. And you can see perhaps that's where they spend their money on. There are a lot of players that are out of contract in the summer that Tottenham could so clean up with, that yeah. could so go and get. You know, honestly, I'm looking through the list on here, Andrus Christensen, you know, we're now seeing uh, Bellotti from Torino, Well, to be fair, Tom Holland did try, you know, we've got to give him his dues. He did, he did to be fair, to, to my point of what Conte wants, Conte's not stupid, is he? Conte's no. not going to go, I want Mbappe, I want Haaland, because no. he knows there's no chance he can get them. So he's going to be saying, I want this player who is realistic. So go yeah. get it. And, and so to, be that's fair, what I to be fair, and this is this is very much key. If you look at, and I totally agree with with Carlos, because looking at that, James Will Prowse will probably be cheaper, and I think would be much more of a leader and more committed. And let's not forget, this is a guy who took Victor Moses and made him a world beater. He took Ashley Young. Mm. and made him a world beater, right? Yeah. So this is a guy who doesn't need, you know, to have the world's best. No. No. It isn't like the situation with Mourinho, where 
you know, it needs to be the best players or I'm going to throw my toys out of the pram until I'm sacked. Right. This is a guy who basically will say these are the type of players. Paratici will work with that, find the type of players that we can get and get them in. And as I said, there are loads of players who are our contract in the summer that you look at. And I think business could be done because let's not forget, we've, we've all got to work under what Daniel Levy will allow. And I think if we can work with that and get players in that fit that, it then means that somebody like a Warprouse or someone like a Madison becomes a better, more a viable option because there's money to put on the table. That's the other Ward thing Prowse, I never got to remember. Warprouse is probably is just not going to happen, not because we probably couldn't afford him, but I think there are, there are factors that one of them being Southampton aren't particularly happy with us, although it won't be a, a deciding factor. But I think he himself doesn't really want to go anywhere. You know, because he just signed a new contract as well, didn't he? I think he signed a new contract, but let, let's be brutally honest. Contracts ain't worth the paper they're written. True. You know, True. the only person, <laughs> let's put it this way, there's only one person who's ever hold someone accountable to their contract, and that's Daniel Levy. Yeah. You know, uh, the contracts don't mean nothing, yeah. you know. They're, as they're not as good as gentlemen, but, uh, gentlemen's agreements. But, uh, but I'll say <laughs> that, Ward, I mean, Ward Prowse, <laughs> what, would, would, would 70 million be too high a price tag for him I, 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 I think what we this is where i think tottenham have to be very clever and i think there will be a remit that will be put in front of paratici from levy which is there are a lot of players that are free in the summer mm. what can you get from that and i think what we will see is the fact that you know, Conte will look at that, will look at some of those players. And let's also not forget as well, you know, there's been talk that, you know, because we've been trying to get uh, Skriniar for the last 50 years, mm. you know, his his contract <laughs> will have been running down so he could be cheaper to free, um, you know, from Inter Milan, he, he could be, be cheaper as well. And I think this Next. is some of the things that what we're seeing just is almost the groundwork. The only, The only thing for me... Well, the only two things for me is exactly what Chris said. If it's what Conte wants, only buy what Conte wants. Yeah. But do it quick. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Don't yes. do what they did in January, which oh. is far arse around. Yes, they hit the jackpot. They hit yeah. the jackpot with Bentoncourt and Kulisewski. Could have been done a lot earlier. Should have been done a lot earlier. And this yeah. is something that Tottenham need to make sure that come August the 1st, business is pretty much done. You got your three, four, five players in. Thank you very much. Now let's just get rid of the crap. Let's yeah. go and yeah. sell Winks to Norwich. Let's go and sell Sanchez to Sevilla or wherever else we can get. Let's sell. To. Let's sell Andombele to KFC. Sorry, <laughs> that's optimistic, uh, isn't it? I know. <laughs> uh, just before we move on, super sticker from Ellie. Uh, it's a number one fan super sticker. Thank you so much, Ellie. Really appreciate it. Uh, you may have seen from the comments as well. Tom, Tom is in there. Hotspur Hood, Tommy is in there. Uh, please hit that like. Please hit that subscribe. It's all free. doesn't cost a thing. Really helps the channel. Tommy's being great, allowing me, uh, Marlon, and a few others as well to host on his channel. Really appreciate that as well. And and he's a massive fan of Eric Dyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he could be an even bigger fan. Uh, if we do get top four... Uh, Go watch his uh, back, you know, the previous videos. Uh, you'll see what we're talking about there. Uh, but 
one, one person we haven't talked about there is uh, Benton Kerr. He's obviously yeah. been superb as well. Do, yep. do you think that's helping the top uh, the top four, the top three as well, uh, giving them more space? Because yeah. certainly in that second half, he was spraying the ball along, moving it quickly, left, right, switching the play. There wasn't too many Ericsson 50-yard passes, but yeah. I mean... Yeah. But yeah, I think it's definitely move the ball quicker, get them to that front three and, and the full back, uh, the wing backs who are um, uh, getting forward as well. And him and Hoiberg have formed a brilliant partnership. And and what you were saying about the uh, uh, squad earlier, Skip now, he might not get into the team when he's fully fit, but he's oh, going to work bloody harder to try and get that. And another super sticker from Ellie. Thanks so much, Ellie. Absolutely fantastic, a fox this time. Uh, what well, Ellie? Yeah, we already knew, we already knew she was <laughs> yeah. a fox, and she's put one on the super sticker as well. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely superb, Benton Kerr. And 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 to our mm. point with the transfers, goes to show that you don't necessarily need to spend a hundred million on a midfielder to get a good mm. midfielder. It, it's it's not always about the money. It's about if they fit into the system. And that to me says good scouting uh, uh, arguments. Yes. Uh, debates. Yes. Whether it should be done, done earlier or whether they could do it earlier or whatever. Uh, I completely agree with Justin as well in the summer, get it done early. That was one of Alex Ferguson's greatest things he ever did. By the time preseason started, before, yeah. everyone was in his squad. With Reading. Yeah. Yeah. And but yeah, you know in what, terms of Benton you know Kerr what, and Skip you know getting back in. Well, Look, the, the, I mean let's say for instance that Skip is at full match fitness tomorrow. I wouldn't necessarily pick him for Brighton. Hmm. I wouldn't be asking for him to pick for Brighton because Benton Kerr and Hoyberg are doing well. The key when it comes to yeah, and, and what you say about you don't have to spend a hundred million pounds on a midfielder. Do you know what the key difference is? Is that if it came down to it, if for if Spurs if for Spurs the choice was get the midfielder you need, but it will cost you a hundred million pounds, or don't spend a hundred million pounds, we choose the latter, hmm. right? Or we go and buy someone for ten million pounds. That's what Justin's been saying as well. That has been has got to change. If the only option really the only viable option and it's not going to happen often but if the only viable option in which you are going to improve your squad is to spend 50 60 70 80 mm. million pounds you do it mm. you don't spend 10 million pounds on pape mate sar for instance because he might be worth the amount that you should be paying and you want to cash in later, right? That's the key here. This is where that sea change this summer has to come in, not just the early um, things, but a fundamental shift to we are no longer going to be doing, we are no longer going to be considering finance as the first arbiter of whether or not we purchase a player. It can be an arbiter or it can be a criteria, a criterion, excuse me, um, by which you decide whether or not to purchase a player, but it should never be the primary one. It should always be a secondary. It should be a case of, this is the player we want. Can we afford him? And and even then, if the answer, if the first answer is no, you say, well, can we find a way to afford him? 
And then if you can't, you say, fine, we move on. Right. Yeah. At the moment, we say, can we afford, you know, can we make money on him before we choose to buy them? It seems almost or probably. Um, so getting back to the midfield question, you know, yeah, we don't need to spend huge amounts of money, but we do need competition in there. Hoybjerg, Skip and Bentenker, three players for those two positions is not in my mind enough. We need four. When you've got a choice of two, you need four. When you've got a choice of three, you need five. Um, so for the back, for the defence, let's say we don't necessarily want to upgrade. Let's say we want to keep it as we still need two, two better competition for Davis, Dyer and uh, Romero. We need to upgrade them, I think. But, you know, if, say, for instance, we went out and got Delict and we got um, Defray, you know, uh, I would keep Davis and Dyer, let's say, in that five because they provide good cover you know they're hard workers and they will provide they will provide competition especially Dyer, who's in his sort of mid late 20s is going to be pushing now to try and you know keep his development going so that's what you do we need more players Benton Kerr and Hoybjerg have done really well. Skip should not be an automatic starter when he comes no. back from injury even though he has been phenomenally good um, but, but that's good for the rest more. of the team, though, as well, because if you just put someone in, I mean, it would happen with Kane, wouldn't it? If Kane gets injured and then he's back, he just jumps in. But I think that was one of Pochettino's errors, certainly in that Champions League final. Not not yeah. the fact that uh, we lost because Kane started. It just showed yeah. score a hat trick still out of the team. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, your suggestion, though, of Eric Dyer on the bench, uh, Tommy has just switched off. He's devastated. Um, <laughs> Tell us, Kim, if she's watching. She's, she's, yeah. disowned, she's disowned me as a friend. Yeah. You're no longer allowed on Tommy's shows, apparently, I've just heard, no. because Eric Dyer on the bench, how dare you? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Justin Bentenker, uh, 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 do you think he's not transformed Tottenham, but do you think he's made us a kind of tougher Tottenham? Because that, that game, certainly that first half, we'd have lost that last season. And we'd have probably lost it comfortably, maybe 3-1 down at half-time, and then maybe a little bit of a rally, but probably lost it anyway. Uh, we we saw that through. We, we ground out the result in the first half and then destroyed them in the second half, which is obviously possibly a Conte factor. But do you think Benton Curve especially has made us a bit tougher in midfield and a bit of a stronger and tougher Tottenham? There's, there's a lot of things that he's done in, in a sense of he's made... Because what he does, he makes look simple. It doesn't look complicated. It just looks like, you know, when he's when he's trying to get past three or four players and then push it on, it just looks effortless. Mm. I think I saw against West Ham when he was just, when he dinked it past like two or three players outside his box and everyone else is like, yeah. he's like, yeah, fine, yeah. move on. And I think also as well, uh, what I forgot to ask mm. as well, or, or say as well, I think the Man United game was his most important game. Not because he was brilliant in it. I thought he was awful. But I think that that has been a huge learning curve for him because that showed him you do, don't get the space and time that you get in, Ital in Italian football in the Premier League. If you want mm. that second touch, you've got to pass and move. And on the move, you get the ball back. That's when you get your second touch. Since yeah. then, I think he's been absolutely superb. And there's no pissing around with it. There's It, it it's with purpose. Yeah. And I, and I think what he... What we're seeing as well is there is a very much a strong bond that is formed between him and Hoybjerg. And it's not only, a, you know, made Hoybjerg look 
look better because I, you know, I think there were question marks about him and, you know, when when we tried Hoybjerg and Winks, um, how badly that went. And there were times with Hoybjerg and Skip and Hoybjerg didn't look uh, the best option. But I think what it does do is it has allowed for, for Tottenham to almost fund replacing him by selling others you know, the likes of Winks, you know, we're talking a 20, 25 million pound player probably will go, yeah, as I say, to maybe like a Brighton or someone like that where they can get him on. And then that will allow us. And let's not forget, you know, we've already got three, in effect, first first teamers in terms of Benton Kerr, Hoiberg and Skip. So you don't need, you know, and, and obviously it'll be interesting to see what happens with Papa Mete Sar whether he potentially can be that option for Spurs. Because the thing to look at from there is, dependent on what Tottenham do, because I think we could all sit here, if we talked about how many players Tottenham need to make a, let's say, a title challenge, we're talking about seven or eight players, at least, <laughs> you know, with the players they get out and then changing the squad. That ain't going to happen, right? Daniel Levy ain't going to do it. So I think what you are going to see is certain players that will almost tick that Conte will allow to tick a box. So could a Pape Mete Sar be that fourth option? Can Ben Davies, which I think he would deserve to be, be the backup defender? Can Eric Dyer, you know, could it be that we only buy the one centre, buy a left-sided centre-back? Because we know if a left-sided centre-back gets injured, Davies can go in, you know, if... If our left wing back gets injured, Davis can go in. You know, it's sort of, it almost, and Davis could probably play anywhere across. He's so versatile. The one thing I have seen is that under, from Pochettino upwards, I think he's played across everywhere across that back line. So it almost, from Tottenham's perspective, allows for them to sort of focus on the biggest areas, which I think will probably be more towards the wing backs and the number 10. You know, and, and and obviously a second striker. I think those would be if you said to me you can you can only buy four players, who's it gonna be? It's gonna be a, a left wing back, a right wing back, a number ten, and a second striker. That is where you go and you could then make the rest of it work. Ideally, I think there needs to be more than that. And I do agree with what Red said about, you know, you buy two backups for it almost you you almost are in a position where you have it for like that midfield and the defense. But I don't see that Tottenham will do that unless they abuse the freebie market, which, as as I've said, there's so much out there that they could go and get that would then allow them to spend big on where they feel. And agreeing again with what Red said, a player that fits the mould, not a potentially fits the mould, fits yeah. the mould. Yeah. You know, what that would what also what that would also do that free market is. Free, not free up money, but uh, allow us to spend the money on getting Romero and Kulisevsky in the summer now, which is the yeah. kind of uh, obligations and the possible, as well as Romero's getting players that we need as Romero well. Romero has but... been done, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's, just, right. a case of, it's just yeah. a case of them making it official. Oh, That's I pretty think, much yeah. Certainly Kulisevsky. But uh, Justin, w- w- would you get another goalkeeper as well? Uh, not yes. to overthrow H- Hugo Lloris, but I think he's got... Uh, uh, one year left, it, or was it two years left? But anyway, I, I, I think the two-year contract was not 
so that it's get a goalkeeper in to kind of in his last season fight for him for the first space. First, I can't even say my word. I'm going to put my teeth back in. Hang on. <laughs> right. So, so not to fight for him for the for that first. Uh, uh, <laughs> it hasn't worked, has it? Putting my teeth. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have one more. I'll have one Are you more. Sure? Say, right. say number one shirt. Say number yeah, one. Number, shirt. number one shirt. Because I, I think what you don't want is Hugo Lloris has been absolutely superb. For us. Yes, he's made mistakes, but on the whole, superb. And you don't want a Peter Schmeichel situation where you're trying for seven years to get another goalkeeper like that. So you want someone who's had experience as the number one goalkeeper. And fighting against that number one goalkeeper. And what that does, like Vez said earlier, it's competition for places. Yeah. So if we if we can get three or four players that we need from the free market, tie up Kulisevsky, we can then go and... Because and, uh, Nick Pope, someone like that, Dean Henderson, you're probably unlikely to get under 40 million for them. And it's a lot of money. So... That's to me, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, absolutely. Um, and the player that I've seen that is the favorite to, to come in is Sam Johnston, um, at, at West Brom. And I think that is an absolute no brainer. I, I, you know, he ticks so many boxes 29 years old, goalkeepers can go on for five, six, seven years of after that point. So I don't think it really matters the age part. I think learning with Hugo, don't forget, he's also comes under the homegrown category. So that helps with that element, you know, and it then frees up because you're right. If you went after Dean Henderson, if you went after Nick Pope, you're talking about, you know, as you say, 30, 40 million quid. And you're talking about someone who won't come into the team straight away. Someone like a Sam Johnston, where it is free, signing on fee will probably be low. Wages won't be astronomical. You're talking about somebody that can come in, you know, has played in the Premier League, has played as the number one. So I think ticks all the boxes and can then learn from Hugo and will get games. Let's not forget, he'll probably have the cup competitions. So there is plenty of scope for him to be able to develop and potentially become the number one. Once Hugo walks yeah. away, well, and to what we did with Larice, because when if you yeah. remember Against when Larice wasn't it? He Friedel was yeah. and it was it. We didn't immediately drop Friedel, even though Larice had the reputation even back then. We did it gradually over time, and eventually it was like, right now we're done. Larice is now the number one. You know, yeah, I think that that's what we need well to done. do. I, I think we need someone. Not a Galini, not a yeah, he's quite a good goalkeeper. I think we need a top, top goalkeeper who 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 who's young enough to be able to play for four, five, six years or whatever. Because it creates stability, that goalkeeper. It's the same as the back yeah. three or four or however many you play at that back. It's stability. The, the communication then gets built just naturally because you you you're forever playing against each other for each other. Exactly the same way Kane and Son, obviously different end of the pitch. So Dean Henderson or Nick Pope. I've been a huge fan of Nick Pope for a long, long while. So I'd have him. Uh, I think possibly we're waiting. If Burnley get relegated, that that fee could go a bit lower. He's going to want to play in the World Cup. He's probably unlikely to do that in the Championship. Whether we'd uh, cause a fuss uh, to Sean Dyche and Burnley and kind of throw his toys out the tram, I'm not sure. Dean Henderson... Obviously, he doesn't want to be second fiddle to the hair, 
but he, if he is second fiddle to Loris, it's only for a year. It's only for a yeah. year, and you've got the opportunity. You can force him out earlier than that year. Any but young then, but then the any money goalkeeper right now will know that if they come to Spurs, they will have a good shot at the number one mm. shirt within a, a couple of seasons at most. Yeah. So they're not going to be, you know, it's like, yeah, you're second fiddle, but you know, the the primary fiddle is going to sort of is coming to the end of their career. So the opportunity is there for you to to grab when that happens. You need to fight for it now and then show us that you could you're worthy of that role. I I agree Dean Henderson's a good shout. Nick Pope I'm a massive fan of. You know, when everyone was, you know, um talking up Pickford, for me it was Pope that was by far better. Pickford is far too eccentric for my liking. Pope is much more solid. And the fact that Pickford is still the English number one boggles my mind. But Pope, definitely. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that he, you know, even, you know what, and if Burnley do go down, I don't think he'll need to kick up a fuss because Burnley will know, well, hold on a minute. We're a small club in terms of attendances. Yes, we've got a loyal following, but the financial ramifications of going down will bite and Nick Pope will be a valuable asset that they can cash in on. So I don't think it'll be that hard to get him if they go down. Yeah, a couple of comments here. Uh, firstly from Ellie, Gomez is still available. Uh, Which one? Morelio? <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, and Aaron here, he's, he said this on, on, on streams mm. before. Gavin Bazuno, yeah. 20 years old, contract up at City this summer, available on a free, great backup to Loris, already an international goalkeeper, international future top keeper. Uh, Bobby Kay has asked, uh, Galini's young, had high hopes when we bought him, decent size, was good in the Italian league. Why do you guys think it hasn't worked out with him? Uh, so, yeah, to, to Justin, uh, Bazuno, and what, why hasn't Galini for you worked out? I think... Coming on to the um, Pizzuno one, um, I've seen him and I do rate him. I think he's a goal, good goalkeeper. I think what we've got to be, uh, I'm not sure whether there would be uh, a tribunal in terms of a fee, because I don't know how long he would, or, you know, what his situation is. I know that uh, with Carvalho going to Liverpool, there's talk that, they're trying to agree a deal so it doesn't go to a tribunal because of how long he'd been there. So I don't know whether Bazunu would uh, come under the same equation with that. The other thing we've got to remember is we've recently signed up Brandon Austin to a new deal. So to me, I think that the Tottenham plan is, is that eventually he will become, um, you know, the, the number one, whether that be in the next sort of three, four, five years. I, I think this is kind of, where Spurs, I think, are would be reluctant to to really want to spend money on a goalkeeper, and I think that's kind of why you know I've heard a lot of rumours around Sam Johnson, and, and and for me, I think that is it ticks it ticks the boxes for what Tottenham would want to do, and for what they want to do with Brandon Austin. I think Alfie Mike Alfie Whiteman will go, um, and I think you'll see. You know, probably Sam Johnson, you know, eventually become the number one. Um, Alfie Whiteman, become, not Alfie Whiteman, Brandon Austin become the number two. And then those two will fight it out going forward. Um, you know, I mean, it would be lovely if we get Donnarumma, but... Um, yeah. you know. Ellie, Ellie, Ellie said he's set playing second fiddle. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's, up, that's optimism for us to get in. But I think, to be fair, it's more Kayla Navas who's become the second one there. So, But in terms of the goalkeeping situation, I, I, I think Tottenham are very reluctant to spend a lot of money on it because I think their view is that Brandon Austin will become the, the future number one. So I think they would probably go under the route of like a Sam Johnston because of him being free. They can have him for a few years, see if he can develop to be the number one. And if he doesn't, you know, he six passes you and they give it to Brandon Austin. It's almost a bit like what we were talking about with Brad Friedel to Hugo Lloris. You almost see it to Hugo, to Sam, to Brandon. That's kind of where I think Tottenham would look at it. And actually, I think also it would stop Tottenham doing what they've done before, which is with other positions where they've just gone, well, we don't need to replace um, somebody because we've got this guy in reserve. You know, so that would be, I think, a good sort of, you know, middle person to come in, take it for a couple of years, move on to Austin. That, I think, is when we look at where Spurs' uh, trajectory is. I think that is what they're looking at um, going forward. In terms of Gallini... I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, what I would say is, is that when I've watched him, he hasn't looked um, he wouldn't he, he wouldn't back him. You know, he hasn't looked sort of confident in the goal. He hasn't looked dominating. There's been a few occasions where he's flapped and given away goals. And I think the problem the goals is... against more those goals that he conceded was it against Mora in the Conference League? Some of those were atrocious. Yeah, is it, is it a they... case that he's hardly played, so he's not had a, a kind of run in the team to kind of? Well, no, that, some, some of those goals were like they, they, they had. It was like you... if you don't if you don't save those, you're not a goalkeeper. Let, let, let's put it also <laughs> like this, Gallini. The whole point of bringing in Gallini was the view was, was that he was going to, I think Larice probably wasn't going to get that contract if Gallini had stepped up. I think if Gallini steps up and becomes the player that Tottenham wanted, I think then Larice doesn't get that contract. He rides off into the sunset and Gallini becomes the number one. I think the fact is, is that he hasn't, shown, whether it be in training, I mean, I, I agree with Rez, in certain games, he's looked absolutely horrendous. So, I don't think there's that confidence in him. And I, and I think it's kind of a case of you're looking at it and thinking that, you know, he would cost, because Atalanta are going to sell him for 5, 10 million quid. They was probably talking, we'll get him on loan for a season, but you're talking about 20, 30 million quid. That's not a 20, 30 million quid player. And that is why I think the talk is he goes, because if you were going to spend 20, 30 million quid on a goalkeeper, then Nick Pope, then Dean Henderson, they come into the equation. Because that's the thing you've got to look at. If you were told you had 20, 30 million quid, who are you going to go and get? Gallini, Henderson and Pope. Anybody who says Gallini um, is clearly an Arsenal fan. You know, from from that perspective. (laughs) I think if Burnley go down, Nick Pope doesn't start for them in the first game. He's not playing for them next season. I think he's off to a premiership team, certainly with that World Cup coming up. So, I think a lot of teams who need a goalkeeper, us probably included with Lloris coming to the end of his career, are probably waiting to see what happens for Burnley rather than make a decision now. To be honest, though, with Pope or Henderson, 
if I was a betting person, they'll go to Newcastle because I think they'll guarantee first team football and there'll be more money on the table. Yeah, it's possibly true. And uh, uh, off from the goalkeeper, Rez, uh, just quickly, Hoiberg got a bit of flack from uh, a few people saying they didn't think he played that well against uh, Villa. I, I, I couldn't understand that. Certainly that second half, I thought he was absolutely everywhere. And you mentioned Kane's son seriously overworked. I think that guy is as well. You yeah. know, he played every game last season, every game in the Euros, barring one because we knocked yeah. him out. And the, the emotional fatigue that must have been caused from the Ericsson situation. Yeah. And then he's played most of the games this season. And and he gets and then came back, came back for pre-season early as yeah. well, would you believe? And he gets a lot of flack, and I'm not really sure why, when he was... Uh, you know, on on every everyone loving him last season. I don't understand why, but I thought he was superb against Villa. And and the first half, he was trying to make things happen. Mm. Obviously, you to, know. to be honest, that first half it's questionable who turned yeah, up yeah. because but that I, second I half, I thought were. he was everywhere, and he was probably not far off. One of the <laughs> it's a ridiculous comment. One of the main reasons I'll, I'll rephrase it. He he was a big reason why a lot of our moves started because he was breaking sure. stuff up and and that will just galvanizes it in a, in a very similar way that Eric Lamella brought energy with his you know gung-ho bull in a china shop kind of thing it brings a kind of energy to the rest of the players to close people down and I thought he was superb uh, what did you think of him certainly in that second half I think he when when he was out for a few games recently that was exactly what he needed it was like you know he, he he needed a rest i mean for crying out loud there just comes a point where no matter how much will you have your body just can't push any further right in 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 athlete terms right and athletes have spoken about it a long time that's what burnout is you just you you will you want to do it, and I, you cannot deny the guy's will, right? This is a guy whose shin was like cut open, you know, <laughs> against Bedford, and he wanted he didn't just want to come on to the pitch and keep playing, he wanted to punch. Was it Ivan Tony that did it to him, you know, for doing it? Um, the guy's got willpower up thing, but the, after a while, the body just can't, it, the brain and the body can't do it, and so he needed a little bit of a break. Since he's had it, he's come back and, and, and it's like back to the old Hoiberg. Although, I will say against Villa, he wasn't as effective as he's been. Still, it wasn't a massive drop-off. It's just a slight thing. But I think that's only because of the way that Villa went about trying to unsettle us. Uh, in the second half, everyone played well, if we're being honest. Uh, you know, even Emerson didn't really play badly um everyone played well i think uh enough and hoibierg was good the the that that link up between him and ventica is really really good uh hoibierg you know i i say this all the time i think ideally the sort of out of who we have right now for me the ideal pairing in terms of the roles that they fulfill would be benson kerr and skip and people say why are you hating on Hoiberg? It's like, I'm really not. I love Hoiberg. I think he's fantastic. It's just, if if the roles are the way they're supposed to be right now, he sort of falls between two stools in that Skip is a better destroyer and Bentenker is slightly, only slightly, 
is a slightly better destroyer and Bentenker is a slightly better creator. And so he's sort of, you know, in between the two. But right now, as I said, I wouldn't drop him for Skip because the partnership is working. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He was very good against Villa. The result was good because of, you know, what they both did. They all did. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I don't understand anyone who hates Hoiberg um, because it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, Justin, your thoughts on Hoiberg? No, no, and, I, I, and against Villa, I, I I agree. I think, as I said, there wasn't many in that first half who could said they played brilliantly. I think they there was a struggle there, but because of the way that Aston Villa played, but in the second half, with the the tweaks that were made, you know, I think all did play well. And I think the one thing I do now like about the Hoiberg situation is two things happen. One, it means that Skiff isn't rushed back. Because we've done this before where we've panicked and that Champions League final was the clearest we've ever done where, you know, we turn around somebody who scored a hat-trick and said, thank you for getting us into a Champions League final. But can you sit on the bench? Because we came once to play. You know, you should never have started that game. You should have been on the bench at least. So, you know, that that can stop. You know, we we can turn around and we can with the likes of uh, Skip now say, look, there's no panic. Take your time, get yourself back to 100% fitness because what we will then need is for you to help us give Hoiberg a break, get to give Bentenkur a break. Because even if Bentenkur has a break, Hoiberg and Skip have played well together at times. So there is a mixture of the three that can work. And as I say, a fourth, whether that be uh, Papa Mete Sar or whoever it is, as long as it's not Harry Winks, um, will fit that model of you're only there really as if you know for cup games or if we've got an injury and need to mix things up that's kind of where it sort of fits in for there but no I think hats off to Hoiberg there were some questionable displays he got a break he's now come back to you know back to his best and I and I think you know fair credit to him but also fair credit to Benton Court because they they complement each other really well absolutely yeah absolutely and and uh Let's get to the question that everyone's asking. Uh, top four for Spurs this season. And uh, this is a league at this moment in time. Uh, this was before the Liverpool game and Man City game. But obviously that doesn't make a difference to us. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, Chelsea won. Otherwise, we'd be two points mm. behind them. Obviously, Chelsea have a game in hand. But the turnaround, I mean, we was we were potentially nine points, I think, behind Arsenal. If, yeah. if they won their game in hand. Now, if they win their game in hand, they're level with us. And then let's say win 10-0, yeah. they're still fifth. West yeah. Ham game above us, six points behind. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United, you can't see there on 51 points as well. Same game, so six points behind us. But uh, we were discussing this backstage. Uh, Vez is super positive. Justin is on the fence. I'm super negative. But I'm only super, super negative in the sense that... Not because I don't think we'll get it. It's because I've been saying we'll be getting it for three years and we never do. As soon as I said we're not going to get ah. it, we started winning games. So mm. for that point, in tempting fate, we're not going to get it. And I'm sticking Keep to Keep doing that, that Chris. Yeah, Keep doing it. But yeah, there's, uh, we'll start with the on the fence and then we'll go with the uh, uh, positive at the end. So Justin, top four for Spurs this season? Hey, as I sort of said before we came on air, the only people that can stop, I think, Tottenham getting top four is Tottenham themselves. Because we've seen far too many times, and yes, okay, we've got a different mentality with a different manager there. 
But even under Conte, there are games where we have stunk the place out and we've been like, how on earth have we lost this game? You know, the Southampton game, the Wolves game, Burnley, Middlesbrough, games where really we should have won those games. And then this wouldn't even be in the equation. So there's almost a sense of, you know, that we should we should do it. But also there's nothing that would surprise me if I looked at, you know, three o'clock before the Arsenal game kicks off and we've had to take a, a loss against Brian because Tottenham just haven't turned up that day. And it's one of those things that the fans themselves need to make sure that whether they think we are getting top four or not, I don't think that that matters from their side. What it What is so important now is on Saturday, that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium becomes a fortress and we absolutely shout from the rooftops and we get on that front foot and we basically take Brighton apart because if we can go there, take them apart, win three, four or five nil, that is going to send a massive message to Arsenal, to United. And this is the part. It's what message do you want to send to Arsenal? Because let's face it, I think they're the only team that can catch us, you know, in terms of they've got the game in hand and they can turn it on, you know, when they feel like it. So to me, that is that I think almost the Brighton game will almost define it because you think at six points ahead, Arsenal, as I said, have got to go to Southampton. Yes, they got spanked by Chelsea, but they're going to be hurting, as, as Rez said uh, before we came on, they're going to be hurting could they then turn up? Because not being funny, they've been beaten 9-0 by, um, was it Leicester? They've been 9-0 by Man United. You would have thought that they would have collapsed under those, but they still carried on and didn't play too badly for those seasons. So the fact of it being is, they have a shocking result in them. However, they also can turn teams over and they've shown that they can do that. So it is so important. If we really are serious about <laughs> finishing in the top four, it's laying down a marker and, you know, because let's not forget we were put in that position by Arsenal where they said, if you want this top four, show us you want top four. OK, and we did. We beat Newcastle. We beat Aston Villa. They absolutely showed us, you know, and now we can now turn the tables and go, right, you really think you're good enough for top four? We've just done the one thing you couldn't do, which is beat Brian at home. Now you show us what you can do against Southampton. And that will be what really, I think, sets the marker. But as I said, I'll sit on the fence. I'm not as I'm not in the camp of where you were, Chris, because I was. But I can't. I'm not necessarily in that camp. I just can't have it on my conscience. No. I got positive and, and, you know and then what? we bullsed it up because then it would be my fault in my head. I, let's put it this way. <laughs> I still can't look at as lasagna properly in the face. After what happened all those years ago, I can't do it. I almost, if I have a lasagna, I almost need to make sure it's completely destroyed before I look at it. Because if it's served up like that, there's a little tear that comes to my eye. It just happens. So, like you, yeah, I will just sit on the on the fence and I will just say, let's see what Tottenham do because they're the only people that can stop Tottenham getting top four. Yeah, and, and Rez, uh, you, you're the positive one here out of the three of us, and I'll set it up for you. Uh, obviously, we don't need to worry now what other teams do, because if we win all of our games, we're top four. 
And, and people mm-hmm. will say, but Arsenal, if they win their game in hand, they're level with you, and then it's level, it's down to goal difference. Not so, mm-hmm. because we have to play Arsenal, we win that game, yeah. they're three points behind. Uh, do, do you think, Conte famously said, didn't he, losers find excuses, winners find solutions. Do you think he's found the solution for this team now? Uh and, and 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 on a positive thing, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Anfield is a loss. I think we can do mm-hmm. something at Anfield. But yep. do you think he's found a solution for this team now, whether that be with the front three and getting the best out of them, the full-back, the, the wing-backs, the Bentecourt-Hoyberg mm. situation? And and for what Justin was saying as well with, uh, you know, killing teams off, the best I've ever seen this play was that 16-17 season under Potch. But we went 1-0 mm. up, game over, because yep. we weren't conceding goals. And if we can be that solid defensively, obviously we've owed our luck at this weekend, but against Newcastle, you know, it was a, a poor free yeah. kick. And and But if we can be solid defensively and we can get the Canes, the Suns, the Kulus, the, whoever in the game, we we can outscore most teams. So yes. in terms of top four, you were the positive one. Mm-hmm. All I'll team. say is, all I'll say is, Arsenal get battered everywhere they go. Arsenal <laughs> get battered everywhere they go. We're getting top four, and we will have had top four sewn up by the time of the North London derby. It will be a meaningless game for them. Well, for everyone. We, we'd have done it, right? And I will be doubly happy because, A, it would screw over Arsenal, which makes everyone who's human happy. Um, <laughs> but we'll also have made all this bullshit that Sky and the broadcasters have done to try and engineer the the battle for top four yeah uh, by putting it thing it would have completely undermined all of their efforts too and that would give me a lovely warm feeling inside it's going to be done guys believe believe yeah. right conte it's not it's not done we're not finished it's just the start of the process and in actual fact most of this season all of this season is still pretty much Conte preamble, right? Conte, the Conte era actually starts next season. Actually starts. This is just the prologue, right? But it's been advantageous because he's already been able to start doing some of the things that this squad really needs. A change of mentality, a change of approach understanding you know what they can and can't do and he's already started that and he's doing well but it's still the beginning of the process but it's enough for us to quite in my case quite comfortably think yes we're getting top four no problems at all yeah i mean it's amazing what he's done and if we can get top four keep kane dot conte i mean conte is a it is a bit of a pull for a player coming to, to your club as a transfer anyway. Mm-hmm. If you've got Champions yeah. League, best striker in the world, Sun Kulu on fire as well. I mean, yeah, but as we know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Arsenal were the ones on fire and we were all over the place. Now it seems mm-hmm. to have switched, so it can easily switch again. We just need to carry on doing what but we're you doing. You know what? And, and, you know and, what? Them being on fire. It was only only if you look at the only if you look in their results completely in isolation without sort of like looking at the scores or the the way that they won them. If you just like you know win loss draw and all of that stuff, but when you actually look at you know the games themselves, nothing they did was emphatic. 
apart from lose to Crystal Palace, right? That was emphatic. But other than that, nothing they did. They at no point have, have no, at no point have Arsenal made the back page this season, right? For whatever reason, at no point have they done anything. Basically, they've become as bland as their manager, right? They've become the Lego of the football world, right? Plastic, you know, and easily taken apart, right? They're not doing stuff emphatically. We've scored something like 20 plus goals in the last six games. We've gone from minus nine goal difference to plus <laughs> nine goal. We've been, it's been it's been ridiculous. And, and by and, far and away the most goals in the league in 2022 as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we've only and and if you take that Man United game out, we've only conceded two in the last six, hmm. right? Ma and the Man United goals were all Ronaldo as well, yeah. right? It's we won four on the trot, but hmm. you take that Man United, which was an aberration, out. We've won six on the trot if you don't count the Man United game, which was a, the Ronaldo show. We're we're on an amazing run of form, and it's. There's nothing about it that's really fortunate. There's nothing about it that's really sort of thing. The only real blips have been in the first couple of halves, the first halves in Newcastle and Aston Villa mm. for various reasons. Um, we've got enough about us to get through. It would be disaster that would cause us not to get it, right? Something that was outside of our control, you know, a bit like the Doherty injury. Other than that, we're getting top four because we are by far and away out of Arsenal, Spurs, Man United and West Ham. We are by far the best club, the best team right now in terms of the way we play. Right. Man United are all over the place. West Ham have got energy problems because they're. Uh, uh, and focus problems. They're focusing on that focus Europa League, not the league. Yeah. And Arsenal are brittle. And they've got they've got a, a, a you know, Captain Black at the at the helm. Right who is inexperienced and is stubborn and does not have the, the profile to, to act like Conte, but thinks because he was Guardiola's cone boy, that somehow gives him a Let me ask you this. Who's the assistant manager at Man City right now? Anyone know? Would you hire him to run Arsenal, whoever he happens to be? No. Yeah. No. So why did Arteta get the job? Right, this guy isn't equipped, he's not <laughs> right. We're getting top four, it's on the cards, it's happening. Yeah, right? I, I, I do have to bring the mood down slightly, but th this is a uh, you know, this is what I do. I, I, I was at my girlfriend's today, and then uh, my it, her brother came there and laughed at my hat, flat cap. And I said, Nothing wrong with a Victor Meldrew hat, especially if he's your hero. Okay. He got asked, You know, Victor Meldrew is, and he goes, Yeah, he's someone who moans slightly less than Chris. So, <laughs> <laughs> Champions League and Europa <laughs> Cup worry is, is there a worry there? I, I was slightly wrong on this, and Vez corrected me, uh, off air. Mm. If Man City or Liverpool win the Champions League and West Ham win the Europa League and we finish fourth, West Ham are in the Champions League, we're not. Uh, any worry on, on, on that side of the, of the fence for you, Justin? Shaking your head there. <laughs> You've answered your question. Even if they beat Leon, they've got to be Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that, that says it in itself. If Barcelona can't beat West Ham, there's no point. We might as well go home. Might as well just pack yeah. up, not play the sport again, because there is no way that Barcelona can lose to West Ham, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just as simple as that. 
I think it obviously would I can see. <laughs> yeah, it would. It really would. It would. Um, but in terms of the Champions League side, yes, you can see. I think probably I would say that the only team outside of City and Liverpool that could win it um, is Real Madrid. Because I think Benzema is playing. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable at the yeah. moment, isn't he? He's mm. absolutely, yeah. you know. Um, so too, that's 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 game. the only way that I can see um, an, a team outside of England winning the Champions League, as far as I'm concerned. But I, I, I wouldn't be worried. I think, to be fair, if West Ham do win the Europa League, I said, I'll hibernate and you'll never see me again because I cannot <laughs> listen to that crap. I really can't, you know. <laughs> Honestly, this needs to go on about beating Barcelona yeah. at the new game. We're proper. We're proper. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Go to Are the camp. Yeah. 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 I mean, where's you the same opinion? And and let's say the unthinkable did happen. Mm. We finished fourth, but we're still not in the chat. Do you think Kane stays then? Because that is progress. And he's always well, yeah, said, think, with progress, yeah. um, mm. I'll stay. And Conte will be here next season, whether mm-hmm. the uh, he's here at the start if there's no transfers. But um, yeah, exactly. Ignore that part. But but yeah, uh, do you see it happening? That the unthinkable. And if it does, do you think Kane, Conte, Son, who, uh, all of those stay? If West Ham, if are you asking if we finish fourth and then circumstances outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. finish fourth, but we're not in league. the Champions right. League next year with that with that uh, scenario. I actually think that whatever happens, Kane will stay. Um, yeah. If I mean, it, it's it's sort of like a domino effect, right? Kane will stay if Conte stays. Conte stays if the club back him properly. This is where the 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 dichotomy comes in. Will the club back Conte if we aren't in the Champions League? If they don't it just demonstrates how unutterably stupid they are because you've got to back Conte, whether you're in the champions league or not, right. It's got to happen. Who else are you going to back? If you're not going to back Conte, you're not going to back any manager. Right. And so Kane stays. If Conte stays, Conte stays. If he's backed where we end up in terms of getting the champions league, even if you don't finish fourth is neither here nor there really. Um, so I don't. I, I, it the question should really be, will the club back Conte? And that's something we can't answer because yeah, it would yeah, require yeah. a change that we're hoping will happen. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I stand with with things. Yeah. Uh, if, in terms of personally, if West Ham won the Europa League, um, I think I might have to emigrate to Mars. <laughs> yep, I'll join you. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do a show yeah, from Mars. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll start, we'll do, we'll, yeah. 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 It will be a we, West Ham free zone. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can call it. Yeah. This is what this is what Spurs have done to us from Mars. Yeah. That will be the show. Because I will <laughs> yeah. join you. I cannot. No. Yeah. Well, there's optimism in the chat. League, that's yeah. it. I'm off. There's optimism in the chat as well. Bobby K. Hell no. Undombele will score a hat trick on Thursday. Uh, but then there's also pessimism, uh, simply ace, until West Ham go out of the Europa and we actually get over the line. I'm never going to be convinced that I've been let back down by this club too many times before. Yeah, um, I heard that. It's true. I mean, it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. It's true. We've been let down loads of times. I'm I'm choosing to ignore it. That's all. Yeah. That's the in, ter- in terms of Kane, Justin, I don't think he'll actually leave regardless of what happens. And, and it, 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 I can't take credit for it. It, it. It's from talking to Brian Daigle, who... 
He's 24 off of Jimmy Greaves' record. Mm. He'll beat that next season. He, probably, mm. he won't this season. It's too far, mm. 24 games, uh, 24 goals in eight games. He'll beat that next season. And that's all competitions, remember. So I can see Kane just saying, I'll stay this season anyway, beat his record, and then it's about progression mm. next season. Uh, but if so, if we don't get Champions League, we finish fifth and we balls this up, I can see him still staying. Uh, where, where, would, where do you stand on the uh, Kane? Does he stay? I, does he go situation? I season? totally agree with Rez. I think it's irrelevant, the Jimmy Greaves thing, because he's got so many personal accolades from, you know, man of the matches, as a Spurs but, fan, being the top goal scorer of your boyhood club. But you, you just look sacrificing at, a season. But but you look at where he is. You know he's twenty eight years old. You know is he gonna want to hang around just for that? You know he wants mm. the trophies now. He wants to win cups. He wants the silverware. I think if if Tottenham don't back Conte and Conte goes, he's he said it before. He is bought in. He is all in on Conte. Yes. So I think if Tottenham show, because what you've got to remember is with what you're saying there is that if he stays, but Conte's gone and let's say, for example, because we're having to get the quality of people who are going to build and, and put up with Levy's crap. Well, then we're going to have Graham Potter or we're going to have uh, Sean Dyche or someone like we that. Who's willing Potter. to put just to interrupt you, Justin, we wouldn't get Graham Potter. He would not put up with Levy's shit. No, and this is what this is what I mean. Well, he allegedly turned us down before we yeah, got Nuno, did. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. For uh, but, what, that but, but, but what I'm talking about is is sort of someone that is willing to work on such a low budget with high expectations. Um, you know, someone almost we would almost go back to hiring another Nuno. You know, where somebody would come in who thinks. I could potentially make this work, okay? Or from Fleca. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at it and you've got to think to yourself, what does that prove to Harry Kane? Club's got no ambition. If I stay at this club for this season, I could potentially not get a move next season mm. because other players may come available. So all I'm leaving myself with is to get Jimmy Greaves' record. Mm. That's it. And that's what you've got to say to yourself, is what is going to be more important to him? Actually winning silverware, whether it be the FA Cup, League Cup, Premier League, Europa League, Champions League, whatever that we win, or Jimmy Greaves' record. Mm. I can tell you now, spoiler alert, it ain't Jimmy Greaves' record. Mm, he's, got enough, he's got enough records. He'll have, the, he'll have the England one very soon. He ain't going <laughs> to care. Yeah, a lot of agreements simply ace. Uh, I think Kane leaves as Conte leaves. Leaves those two tied up and then Bobby Kane. <laughs> Only way Kane leaves is if uh, uh, Conte does and then we implode. Daigle will be in jail. If yeah. That happens. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Levy will go. Can, can I just? Can <laughs> say, a, you know, you know the sort of the, the, the sort of people like myself who are sort of labelled Levy outers, right? Hmm. So, um, basically, we're we're looking to elicit change. There's an, there's an environmental journalist by the name of George Monbiot. I don't know if anyone knows him or read him or anything, right? He turns around and says, look, if you look through history, usually it only takes about 25% of a specific constituency to want change for that change to start 
for, for that demand for change and for the change itself to come about, right? If Conte leaves, that constituency of, say, Spurs fans, the percentage that will want Levy out at that point will go above 25% easily if it's not already there, right? This is Mr. Levy's last mm. chance saloon. There's nowhere else to go. Nowhere. He cannot do anything else. And he can try and obfuscate and he can try and, you know, make the excuse. Oh, we tried for Dybala or whoever. I'm not saying we should get him, but we tried. But the thing is like, nah, sorry, mate. It doesn't wash anymore. Yeah. You can't not, you can't let the best manager we've ever appointed at the time of their appointment just slip through your fingers. Mm. Right. And so the, the entire direction of Tottenham Hotspur as a football club, reaches a two-way junction this summer. We can either go one way or we can go the other. And that choice is its the first time that the choice has become quite so crystallised around one key aspect, and that is whether or not Conte will remain. Yeah, I, I, I personally think that there will be investment and it will be the players that Conte wants. That's the positive side. The negative mm -hmm. side is I'm not sure, because I agree with Justin, it will be early. It needs to be right. early. And 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 Conte, I mean, Conte probably isn't a draw, you know, spending 95% of his time drawing up his list of who we need at the moment, because there's more important things, namely that top four. But as soon as that top four is done, or the season's done, then it will be, a, 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 you know, a couple of days or a week, I want these players, I want these players out. And mm -hmm. then there has to be pretty pro proactive uh, uh, measures taking place to get that done, rather than being reactive and go, well, maybe I can get them cheaper. Maybe I can. Uh, fuck that. Just get them in. Yeah. And, and that's my concern. I still don't think he'll leave. I think he'll, he'll, he'll be in charge for the first game next season, but unless we don't so buy certain. anybody. If we, we don't, don't know, anybody. if we don't get him, the thing about Conte is that he, he wants to know that his squad is going to be ready for preseason. Yeah. Maybe a week in is probably the latest. So if Tottenham Hotspur acts the way that Levy has made us act for the last 21 years, Conte walks. Yeah. He's don't not forget he, don't forget he did that at Inter and they won Scudetto. So he he will he will walk. I, I I honestly if he's not backed he won't be there. He'll be Nuno 2.0. Yeah, and, and what do you guys think of this? Because I said when Won't Nuno matter. was... Uh, but in Won't terms matter. of uh, Poch coming back, the trouble is, where's it? Levy might get his ass saved and mm -hmm. we'll just get Poch in to be his yes-man if Conte goes. Do you, do you see that happening but, and that being Do you know what plan? else that relies on? Do you know what else that relies on? I've heard that as well. That relies on the idea that Poch is some kind of mannequin that Levy can pull his strings and has no thought process of his own. Poch will look at Spurs and say, since I left... They've appointed Mourinho and they've appointed Conte. And both of those have not done anything. I've got other clubs looking at me that might want to might wanna hire me if PSG don't want my services anymore. This idea that Levy would be able to sort of drag Poch kicking and screaming and install him in the Spurs dressing room is not a foregone conclusion. You know, no matter how much affection Pochettino might have for us, the fans... 
you know, and the players that are still there from his time, he's ultimately still got a career to think about, you know, and it won't just be a case of Tottenham have come calling, therefore I'm going to go. It'll be a case of, well, Tottenham have come calling. Is this necessarily a move that I want to make right now? You know, forget the Man United job. There'll be hundreds of other clubs yeah. over the next That's... couple of seasons that would might might want Poch's services. It's not Spurs or nothing. And even if he does bring Poch in, I still don't think it'll be enough. Mm, I no. genuinely don't. This yeah, is a great I mean, question you've got, and just uh, sort of um, echoing what Rez is saying there. What if you're not going to back Conte? Why would you come back if you're Poch? And if Poch does mm. come back, the fans are going to go, "Well, you've clearly come in because you're happy to accept what Conte wasn't." So mm. wait a minute, are we now going backwards? Where is this all going to fit? I, I just, for me personally. We've said it before, and one of the things that's always been said is you don't go back because mm. it don't work. The only time it did was Mourinho when he went back for that second time at Chelsea, won the Premier League, but then sure enough, he stunk the place out and left again. Yeah. It doesn't work when you go go back or when you go back because there's a reason you left in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. that reason is still there, and the the, yeah. the reason nothing's Potch changed. Failed, yeah, yeah. The reason that Potch failed was because of the way that Levy gutted the sort of scouting system was uncertain about which way things needed to be in terms of transfers and stuff wouldn't give him the reassurances why why would anyone come back to that why would anyone yeah, come yeah. back I mean, and why would Kane stay yeah mm. I mean that's a conversation for another day uh, we won't know that until two months I mean I'm not proud of it but Rez was so positive at the start of this and now look look what I've done to you Rez I'm so sorry I'm still believing yeah. in the positivity of the future yeah. Yeah. I'm choosing to believe, but yeah. I'm I'm perfectly willing to entertain the possibility that I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and to be fair, yeah. I'm happily swimming in your negativity. I'm just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fine with it. Justin has spent part of this. Justin has spent part of this stream looking at uh, Richard Branson's Virgin to see if there's any flights to Mars for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Virgin Galactic. Absolutely. On the phone to Jeff Bezos to say, yeah, Jeff boy, yeah. I know you've gone yeah. to the moon, but any chance you go a little bit further? Yeah, yeah and absolutely. You, uh, and have you got Wi Fi up there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've pretty much reached the end there. It's uh, been great having you guys on. Thank you to everybody in the chat as well. Apologies for not being able to read them all out. Uh, and thank you to uh, Ellie and Gugumar for the super stickers as well. Really appreciate that. Uh, as promised, uh, Justin, all, to all things Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, the channel that you're on, where can people find It's in the description. Uh, but where yes. can people find that? So, so basically, it's on all major platforms, on YouTube. You know, as I say, we're... We're getting more and more people listening in and answering questions. So anybody who's liked the stuff I've come up with, you know, come and have a listen to that. Um, you know, fire some questions at us. We're more than happy to sort of, you know, bring those up and discuss them on there. Um, but also, um, you know, if anyone wants to give me a follow as well and, you know, talk to me. As I love talking about Spurs and I'm more than happy to do that. And and obviously I've been on your show. I've done Marlon's show. I've done Tommy's show. So, you know, I, I love talking about Spurs, good or bad. And if I am in Mars, then please make sure you follow me because I'll have to keep you updated 
as to how the Wi-Fi and everything else is going to connect to mine and Rez's show. So thank you very much for having me on. Oh, no problems. Welcome anytime. And Justin and Rez's uh, Twitter handles are both in the description as well as uh, both their channels. And Rez, Shelfside Spurs, firstly, where can people find it? And why does 300 subscribers mean your taste buds must be destroyed? Well... Um, we've been trying to grow the channel. We were sort of around 200 and something. Uh, I can't do speak either. Subscribers. subscribers. You have to put your teeth I'll, 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 I'll translate for you. Carry on. <laughs> Before the weekend. <laughs> and um, I said on a previous uh, Shelf Side Spurs show, show that if we got to 300, I would eat a super hot tortilla chip. And I would also, having eaten it, go for a five-minute afterburn. So no water, no milk, no dairy products for five minutes and suffer the pain. So most of you will know that I was on We Are Tottenham TV on Saturday and my co-conspirator Nick, who's also on Shelf Size Spurs show, turned around and said that if... Um, we could get to 500 subscribers before the end of the game. I would eat that chip live after the game. We didn't quite make 500, but we did break the 300 mark. And so because of that, on Thursday, I'm going to be eating this. Okay, it's, bit, it's a little bit broken, but you can see the amount of pepper in there. It's made with real Carolina Reaper peppers, apparently. So essentially, if you of the viewing multitude are partial to seeing a fat, bald man cry, uh, tune in on Thursday at (laughs) 7 o'clock. You can find us at Shelf Side Spurs Show, four words. Um, It's hosted by the marvellous Johnny Einstein. Um, Nick, as I say, my co-conspirator is also on there, and Alan Harris, uh, who's been in the chat tonight, is also on there. Hopefully, you might even get Gazza and Kev, who are also uh, semi-regular co-conspirators. We would love to have you. We would love you to come along and gently caress the like and subscribe buttons, you know, and the little bell, so you know when we're on. We are a bit madcap. We don't. Uh, we do talk about Spurs, but we also talk about lots of other different things as well. So, if you want a taste of something slightly different, we would absolutely adore to have you um, and come along and watch me do damage to myself on Thursday uh, because uh, it's got to be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not in the business of endorsing pain, but yeah, subscribe to Shelfside Spurs, please. Um, but yeah, I, I, absolutely nonsense. Or you know, I mean. Let's talk Tottenham with 250 <laughs> subscribers. So I can guarantee you, if we get to 300, I will be delighted. I ain't eating any of that bullshit. <laughs> I, 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 I got made a Rogan Josh. I had to have coconut milk in it. I had to have a yogurt. <laughs> and it still like I was having a shower while eating it. So I, I'm not eating any of that crap. But yeah, make sure you get to Shelf Side Spurs. Hit the subscribe on there. Make sure you get to all things Tottenham. Hit the subscribe on there. And uh Thanks so much for watching. Hit the like on this uh, on this video as well. This is Hotspur Absolutely. Hood, Absolutely. and then subscribe to the Hotspur Hood as well. Tommy's channel, brilliant channel, and and got so many people hosting, not just me. Uh, really great of Tommy to do that. And yeah, please hit the like, please hit the subscribe for his channel, and then hop over to Let's Talk Tottenham uh, on Friday. We'll be there half 30 p.m. UK time. Uh, for a Brighton preview. Uh, please come and watch. If you like what you've seen today, please come and watch. Hit the subscribe on there and hit the like on the videos. 
And yeah, we'll be here. We're here. Two homes for Let's Talk Tottenham. Hotspur Hood on Mondays, half seven uh, UK time, PM that is. And then Let's Talk Tottenham, 12.30 PM UK time as well. And yeah, I really appreciate you uh, uh, watching, getting the comments in, all the uh, super stickers as well. Really appreciate that. And yeah, let's just hope seven games left. We don't go Tottenham and we do what we were doing in 16, 17 and, and, and those seasons. Get that top four and let's hope uh, <laughs> the universe doesn't conspire to against us and, and we can get in the it Champions won't. League next season. But it yeah, won't. yeah. And uh, yeah, share Vez's uh, positivity before <laughs> God knows what happens when he eats that crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for watching. Yeah, please hit like, please hit subscribe. Go to Let's Talk Tottenham, do the same thing. Go to Shelfside Spurs, do the same thing. Go to All Things Tottenham, do the same thing. And yeah, Ooh. we'll be back on Let's Talk Tottenham Friday, half 12, 30 p.m. UK time. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>